I'm Ron Taub, and I'm the founder and chief executive officer of Minor Decliner. I'm Sudhir Reddy, head of engineering at Esper, as well as the host of this show. There's a device for that. Welcome to There's a Device for That. It's a pleasure having you on. Hi, thank you so much. Happy to be here, and I'm very excited to share with the Esper team and your audience all our great experience with you. Great. Thank you so much. So, Ron, tell us a little bit about yourself, what Minor Decliner does. Well, Minor Decliner is a leader in age verification systems. So I'll I'll talk to you a little bit about why that's needed and uh, how it's very important to retail. But um, for myself, I'm an engineer who spent most of my career in uh, operations and manufacturing, making auto parts. And being an engineer, I'm fundamentally a problem solver. And it turns out that age-restricted items are things like alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, and things that you may not think about, like CBD and lottery tickets, and even cough medicine. So there's a lot of different age-restricted products out there. And most of them have a requirement that to sell that age-restricted product, you have to check to make sure the person is old enough to buy. So the way they do that is with underage investigators. And my daughter became an underage investigator when she was 16 years old. So like any good dad, I sent my daughter out with the police to go buy cigarettes. (laughs) uh, That was a joke. (laughs) So she heard about this opportunity, and she went and accompanied the local police and tested establishments. And uh, in talking to her about this experience, we found out that basically people couldn't figure out how old she was, and they would sell to her. And then they would get a big fine, and there was a big scene in the store, and of course she was outside at the time. But it struck me that as an engineer who solves problems, that this is a problem that needed to be solved. If it's as simple as trying to figure out a way to help a retailer to decode the license and figure out somebody's age instead of trying to do it on back of a napkin or asking a coworker or looking at a calendar, which is what they were trying to do, and getting it wrong 20 to 30 percent of the time, that we could solve this problem. So that's why I uh, went out of my comfort zone a bit and I found a developer. We developed the first minor decliner app, and we started to sell it. And here we are almost eight years later with a whole suite of age verifications and uh, industry-leading technologies. But that was our humble start. That's amazing and fascinating to hear how not only are you an engineer, but you took something that you had seen firsthand in your family and then converted that into an innovation. And speaking of innovations, what would you say is one of the innovations or one of the technology products that really you are a big fan of? Oh, that's an interesting question. So I tend to be a first, what do they call it, a leading edge adopter of technologies. And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. But it was interesting. I was looking around my office earlier today and I did a count and I have 22 different technology products in my office and lab. And I cover the gamut from Android to uh, Apple to PCs to whole varieties of tablets and smart devices. 
as an engineer, I really love technology. I love exploring it with it. And I'm basically a tinkerer. And so being the chief product officer and the chief technology officer at Minor Declining, it really gives me the opportunity to say, wouldn't it be neat if we could do that? And then I can go ahead and do it. And uh, that's what really charges me up and energizes me. Fantastic. And by the way, which of those 20-odd devices do you use the most? You know what? It turns out I use all of them in some kind of equal way, right? I'm always on, you know, we're in a connected world, right? So we're always on our iPhone or our tablet or our desktop or my Android minor decliner devices with Esper or the PC. And they all sort of merge together in our connected universe. Wow. That's fantastic. And I'm sure just coming out of that, there's a lot of innovation even to your product that you can look at just because you're experiencing all these various devices and various things. By the way, I have in my home, if I just look on my desk, there must be like 30 or so different tablets with different things running on them and different, you know, watches and, and all sorts of things. So I think you and I'll get along just fine. And maybe, uh, if it works out, I'll send you for 32 to have a minor decliner on your desk as well. Awesome. I would love to have one, especially if it's running Esper on it. And we'll get to that in a second, but I would love to have one. So what made you an engineer? What sort of motivates you? Is it that enthusiasm for innovating and creating different things and tinkering that drives you as an engineer? It's interesting. So, you know, I'm an industrial engineer. And industrial engineers generally focus on optimization, optimizing systems, processes. And a close cousin of industrial engineering is quality engineering. I've done both in equal measure through my career. And in quality engineering, we're interested in prevention of problems, problem solving, real root cause analysis using structured methodologies to really get to the root cause and fix root causes so they don't happen. So I find myself sort of at the intersection of optimization, efficiency, and problem solving to help. And I think I'm able to wrap all that up in the endeavors that I work on. So, you know, when I think about minor decliner, minor decliner is simple. It's easy to operate. It's got a very efficient tone and manner about it. And at the same time, it solves a problem instantly for retailers. So they don't make a mistake and accidentally sell to someone under eight. And for me, that's where it all comes together. That's great. So let's now get to the product itself. What does the product do? And uh, who are the target customers that you're targeting with this? Sure. As we were saying a little bit before, there are many types of age-restricted products. The ones we're always familiar with, tobacco, alcohol, vape, but there's also gambling, there's cannabis, there's lottery tickets. And so all those things, basically, you need to make sure that somebody is overage. And they all have generally the same attribute, which is that an authority, whether it's the local police or the substance authority in that area, they do enforcement and they make sure that retailers have systems in place that they're only selling to overage. There's a legal requirement. So what we do is we help error-proof that. How we do that is you can scan a driver's license or a passport. We decode it. We compare it to today's date. And we make sure that the person is over the minimum legal age. 
whether it be 18 or 21. In addition, we make sure that the license isn't expired because an expired document is not a document at all. It's just invalid. Between all those things, and we do it in less than a second. So what that does is help anybody who sells age-restricted products not make a mistake and sell to someone underage. Now, we do a lot of things in addition to that, but that's at its core what we're doing. And what are the additional things that you do? So we've taken that core idea and we've moved it into some other spaces. So, for example, at a retail checkout, you might have a minor decliner to make sure that the stationary device and you're scanning it and you're getting a compliance log and you're making sure that the person's overage. But we can do it portably for delivery drivers and for bouncers at doors and for venue entrants and for country festivals where they need to make sure that they've got a three-day festival and they need to make sure that they've got their clean on their age-restricted purchases. We do it for door and casinos and customers can self-scan to make sure, and then basically even open up a door. So we have age-restricted access control. We've got systems for beer coolers, for theft reduction. You scan an ID and the door will open, making sure that both it's an age-restricted purchase and because you've now got an identity, you're reducing theft. So we've got a lot of advanced technology use cases that we've taken the core technology and applied it. Very cool. And does some of this data then, do you actually talk to some live databases uh, or is this all happening on the device live at that moment? That's a great question. That's where the, the landscape of age verification is changing. So right now, it's mostly on the device. We take the document, we decode the document, and we're able to use that data to give an answer. But we're seeing more and more now where you are talking to different databases, and those databases have different uses. So one example is the new TrueAge protocol with the National Association of Convenience Stores. It's a brand new technology for age verification. It's using identity tokens and identity stored in digital wallets versus your traditional driver's license. So we're seeing the landscape change from more of that government-issued ID now with digital identity token that may have a one-time use or continuing use in a digital wallet. And that needs to be decoded, that needs to be decrypted, and that needs to be validated to a central source. We're seeing the same thing with mobile driver's licenses. Again, that could go back to a central authority. We've got some brand new products that we're very excited about that will be coming online um, within the next month or so that will have definitive fake ID checking. And that goes back to a central a database. So the landscape of age verification is really shifting from that issued identity documents to more tokenized systems and centrally validated systems. So having an online system is going to be definitely in our future. That's great to hear because as I was thinking through this, I was like, hey, if you're a convenience store and you get fined every time you sell something to an underage person, I can just imagine that being a huge risk for the owner. And this completely eliminates the problem for them. It does. And in fact, that's also part of the changing landscape. So what we're seeing, and we're seeing this all in the industry, and this is basically at the state levels where this is happening, state and local levels. We've heard of the carrot and stick approach, right? 
you know, carrots are, we want to do prevention exercises, we want to do education. What we're seeing is sticks and bigger sticks now. So we're seeing much larger fines where a fine might have been $250 for the first fine, $500 for the second fine. We're seeing $2,000 for the first violation, $5,000 for the second. And the third, you're shut down for 30 days for selling an age-restricted product. Age-restricted products represent billions of dollars in sales for industry. And if you're in a store, in a convenience store, and you've now been shut down for selling tobacco or alcohol products for 30 days, that's a tremendous hit to the bottom line. So this is really the cheapest insurance a company can get. Right. Yeah. And who other than convenience stores would be a good customer base for you? Well, we have a lot of interest from vape stores. Cannabis is another one. You know, they're highly regulated and they're using this a lot for door entry, casinos. So uh, we really do see a cross-section in addition to, you know, delivery drivers now using this to make sure that they're giving a proper age-restricted purchase. Yeah, that's a fascinating use case. I didn't think of delivery drivers. And I saw on your website, too, that there's a hotel. Tell us a little bit about what's the problem for them you're solving. Yeah, it's basically the same problem. So hotels are selling tobacco products in some cases. Most likely it's going to be alcohol, beer, or wine. And just like anyone else selling that, they're subject to the local liquor authority and the local liquor board, and they have very low tolerances for mistakes. So even though they're probably a lower volume operation, the kids in the area figure out, oh, let's go into the hotel chain. (laughs) I'm not going to name the hotel chain by name. And uh, we're going to get some age restricted product there. Yeah. Now, let's let's talk a little bit about the technology itself. And I'm going to bring this to Esper a little bit. What did you see in Esper and how did Esper solve the problem that you had? First off, what was the problem that you were trying to solve? And second, how did Esper help you with that? Yeah. So early on, I recognized that we are in a changing environment for software. The technology changes all the time with us, right? We're seeing, again, these mobile driver's licenses. We're seeing customers coming in with new requests. So the the reality is that my software today is ever evolving, right? I'm And I have right now, when I think about it, I have like seven different versions of my software that run on different platforms for different use cases. They all have a slightly, they have a different customer constituent base. And um, as we get, we get, we've got great customers that give us great feedback and great ideas. And then we're able to turn those into product enhancements that we can roll out to the market. So the, the result is that we needed the ability to update software in the field. That was really the first idea. Second is because we're using, we use Android tablets, we do bring them in, you know, and they're specifically built for us, but we needed a way to kiosk it. So it was a special purpose device. So it was just there for minor decliner and you couldn't necessarily use it to surf the internet or, uh, you know, get your personal email because the enterprises want to lock these things down. So we needed the ability to both get kiosk and to do software updates. And when we looked in the market, we looked at several different solutions, and Esper was the one that was the most intuitive. It was the easiest to operate. Uh, It had the cleanest interface 
from a console management standpoint. And Sudhir, truthfully, I work with Esper almost every day, sometimes two or three times a day, doing different software rollouts and rolling different tablets. So I'm always in there and I'm always impressed by the uh, ease of use of it and its evolving nature. It meets my needs and it's just great for provisioning the devices as well. I can listen to this line of talk for the next hour. It warms my heart to hear all that. Uh, because we do take a lot of pride in making sure that we walk in the shoes of our customer and make sure that their experience is as best as it can be. And we spend a lot of time working on that. And also, you know, the ability for you to update your software at any point, right? Sometimes twice a day if you, if you need to. Those are things that are so unique to what we do. So I thank you for, for those uh, great words. What's next for Minor Decliner? Where are we going uh, with the product? What does the next year or so look like? That's a great question. So we are very excited. We have two, three large innovations that we are simultaneously working. The first is that we are partnering with a, a very large let's call it proprietary back-end platform that works with law enforcement and large banks. And Minor Decliner is going to come out with the first in the industry definitive fake ID checking that we will be able to deliver to uh, all our retail customers in a very smooth and flexible, easy-to-operate way that's going to be super cost-effective. You know, fake ID detection is very difficult. Forensically, it's very hard. I, I have a background in security printing and in forensic document identification, and it's tough to find fake IDs. We have partnered with a very innovative company, and we are going to have this uh, phenomenal solution we're going to be able to put in the hands of everyday users that lets them solve the fake ID problem. So that's the first innovation we've got. The second is that We've had a lot of success with our access system, our door access system using ID scan. So in that case, we've got a tablet scanner, always running Esper, by the way, because we need to do those software updates and kiosks. But it's one tablet that's generally set up, open up one door, and it's in its own case with the control system. So it's great for that use case. But what we found is a lot of customers want outside use cases. And in the case of a beer cooler, they want to control five, ten different doors. So what we've developed is a small ID scanner that actually lives on the door that all runs back to one control system. So we can basically use our same technology, our same uh, patent pending software, and we're able to control four to 20 doors with this brand new system. It's a tiny scanner to live on door. It'll give the customers feedback. And it'll be very easy to install, but it's really going to be a, a breakthrough in theft deterrence for retail. That's great because I've been hearing a lot about how retail is struggling with the amount of pilferage that happens. And I think there's even a term that they use for it, stock shrinkage or something like that, which is a real problem for a lot of the retailer, retailers right now. It is. It's a huge problem. And what we're seeing is that the retailers are in a tough spot because if they lock the items up and they force an, a store associate to unlock it to buy a sale, they see a big reduction in sales. So if a high-end product is locked up 
and it requires a store associate to unlock it to get it for the customer, that's too much friction and they lose sales. So with our system, you're going to be able to get a compliance checking to make sure over 21 are doing it. You're going to make sure that because someone's scanning an actual ID that's been fake ID checked, that it's not a fake. And you're going to be able to now reduce the friction and get theft reduction because no, who's going to want to scan their actual ID and then steal a product? I think that's going to be a very big innovation for industry. And we're going to be super interested to be helping in and showing that around all our retail clients. That's great. So I want to go back to the fake ID detection part a little bit. Is there innovative technology there that we can all learn from in terms of, because like you said, detecting a fake ID is you're actually trying to find the eliminating something from a very large universe of possibilities, right? So there must be some really sophisticated algorithms and databases that you use on this. Well, there is a lot of proprietary IP there. So uh, unfortunately, I can't get into a lot of how that works, but I can tell you it's proven with 99% plus accuracy. And that's another, that that goes a a little bit back to my being an engineer and loving to tinker and innovate. So when I hear about a technology that I think would be useful for age verification, I always chase it down and I look to see if there's an integration we can do. We've done that in this particular case for fake IDs. I didn't invent that technology we're integrate, that we're going to be integrating, but I am the first to integrate it for our use case. Uh, similarly, we've done other integrations for technology. There's a company called Yodi, which uh, they're big in Europe, and that the Yodi stands for your own trusted identity. And what they do is they do identity, but they also have a phenomenal tool for age estimation using the face not caring about who you are, not even caring about what your ID says, will analyze your face and give you an answer of your age. And under 25-year-olds, it's 99% accurate. When I showed this at the last National Association of Convenience Store shows, people were amazed at how accurate it was. And the application of that can be, how do we do an age-restricted self-checkout? right? Mm -hmm. Where there isn't a person there to monitor it. So there's all types of intersections of technology that we like to keep minor decliner in front of so we can integrate these technologies and then bring them right to retail where they need it. Right. And and I think that that leads also into biometrics and artificial intelligence and machine learning and all those fun things that are uh, innovative in, in, in the world right now. And looks like you're bringing that to the specific, solving the specific problem around age verification and things. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. I, and and I, I don't think AI is quite there yet. I think it's in, in some of the underlying algorithms that others may use, but I can see it in the future as we get perhaps more predictive analytics in play where there could be some use cases. But all the technology that I integrate brings direct customer value. And that's where, you know, we're a small company, so we have to be very focused and very direct to make sure that investment in software development and research yields a product solution that somebody actually wants. 
Right, right. Which leads me to my next set of questions. It's really around how, in a positive or a negative way, has the current macroeconomic situation impacted minor decliner? Are you seeing increase in demand, decrease in demand? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Well, we're growing, fortunately, and we also have a very value-oriented type product. We've designed this to be not only having the great technology, not only having a great user experience and user interface, but also available at a great price for people. And uh, we know our clients are very concerned about that. We've done a lot of things to optimize our operations and supply chain to deliver that value. That helps us. And also what helps us is that we're seeing, again, these huge fines and increased enforcement. So a lot of the enforcement activities took a back seat during COVID, but they've come back very high now. And so as retailers realize that they need to have a better solution in place, they see the value of minor decliner, and they also see that they can get other benefits besides age verification, such as entry controls, such as theft reduction, such as enabling of a self-checkout, such as customer self-scanning. So we can bring all those things as cost reductions. Overall, you know, macroeconomics are a tough thing, but I think we've brought a suite of solutions to people that the market sees and values. Yeah, that's one of the key things I think, right, is the value of value is what I call it. If you really provide value to your customers, regardless of what the situation is, they actually do come to you because they're seeing that value in you. And speaking of customers, it's, you know, when I set this company up almost eight, nine years ago now, the one principle I had was I am going to be applied the golden rule to my customers. I'm going to treat them like I want to be treated myself with good old fashioned customer service. If a customer has a problem, I answer the phone, I answer the emails, I get back to them very quickly and I solve their problem. And that's what we do. We want to be there for our customers. I don't want to give anybody. I just want to give them direct, great customer service. And uh, I'm a little bit old-fashioned that way. You know, it's tough to communicate that sometimes to people. But once you're a customer of mine or decliner, I make sure whatever it is, you're taken care of. That's a great lesson for all of us to learn and remember. I actually saw in one of your videos... You have your personal email and your phone number on all the devices, right? They can actually directly call you if they have an issue. Yes. That's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. In, in closing, Ron, I have to say that I'm quite fascinated with the solution. I'm, I, I was reading up quite a bit more than I thought when I started researching this. Also, I am so happy I'm not a miner looking to buy alcohol or tobacco right now with your technology <laughs> out there. If, if I were looking for that right now, I, I'm pretty sure I couldn't buy any with minor decline. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the one customer, the, well, they're not customers, but the, the one base that, but, you know, there, there are a lot of studies. I didn't really, you know, the, the reason why we want to help people is, A, it's the right thing to do, B, it's legal, but C, when you read all the studies, uh, you know, there's a reason why there's a minimum legal age for these products. You know, it has to do with brain development. It has to do with safety. And at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do. 
I don't believe I wear a cape and I'm trying to change society, but I do think we are doing the right thing in, in this little niche that we can to help. And I'm proud of what we do and I'm proud of how we help people. And I want to continue that. And, you know, our mission is to really eliminate the sales of age-restricted products to minors. I want to get it to 0% nationally. That's what I'd like to see us do. And that's what I want to help industry get to. Well, wishing you all the luck to making that happen. And uh, also, I completely agree with doing the right thing. I was going to say, we're proud to be a partner with Esperk. You guys have enabled us to um, get those kiosks out there. To You know, it's really when they get a minor decliner, you know, they're getting two great software products. They're getting the Esper product that's taking care of the kiosk, the remote updates, keeping the tablet safe, keeping it updated. And they're getting the minor decliner to do the business of age verification or door access. That's great. And uh, we we love that uh, you're one of our customers, our valued customers, and that you're really finding value in the product. Thank you. This is There's a Device for That, and you can get a new episode every Tuesday. Please be sure to subscribe. There's a Device for That is brought to you by Esper the industry's first and leading DevOps platform for device fleets. If you're interested in learning more about how Esper can help you better manage your device fleet, reach out, go to esper.io or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at esperdev at E-S-P-E-R-D-E-V. Thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of There's a Device for That.